Hello and welcome to You Are My Borough, the Northern Echoes daily, uh, sorry, weekly borough helping with myself, Dom Shaw and Scott Wilson. Uh, and we promised earlier in the week that we do an episode later in the week. We hoped that there might be a special at Stamford Bridge on Tuesday night. Um, but that didn't go to plan. The night didn't go to plan for Borough. Uh, we're going to have a talk about that today, obviously, and, we, and we'll discuss transfers on the back of the Luke Thomas signing on Friday and look ahead to the final few days of the window, what it holds, uh, and the latest on Morgan Rogers amid Aston Villa's ongoing interest there. Uh, if you haven't subscribed yet, then please do on YouTube. Just tap that button. Uh, if you listen to us on podcasts, then, then do rate and, and leave a review as well, as, if possible, because that makes a difference. Um, we'll start with Chelsea. Scott? In our preview at the start of the week, the one thing we both agreed ah. on yeah. was, that, was that we didn't envisage a hammering. We did both say that, I'm trying to rewrite history a little bit, that you feared for Borough if Chelsea scored early. But neither <laughs> of us, neither of us foresaw it going that the way it turned out. Yeah, I think you feared for Borough if Chelsea scored four goals early. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is the way that it happened, isn't it? Um, oh, yeah. I mean, where do you start? I, I, I mean, yeah, it, it it became pretty clear pretty early on, didn't it, that that things were going badly awry, um, and and it kind of went from there, didn't it? Now, you know, the dust settled a fair bit on it. Now, um, I think what I'd say was two things. So there seems to be two kind of kind of strands of criticism, I guess, at Carrick and at Borough for the defeat. I, I, I think most fans are pretty level-headed about it. They accept that Chelsea, you know, were the better team over two legs. You've lost to a Premier League team that costs 500 million quid, etc., etc. You know, this is certainly not a disaster. I think if there are two criticisms that, that have been coming out on social media and in messages we get, etc., it's why were they playing out from the back when they cl it clearly wasn't working against a team who were pressing them really well? And what was going on with the formation? Where was Johnny Alton meant to be playing? What was going on with that defence? So the two of them, the playing out from the back, we kind of put it to, to Michael Carrick, didn't we, in the, in the press room when he did his press conference afterwards? You know, do, do you do you feel that that was the right thing? And, and without wanting to exactly put words in his mouth, I think what, what Carrick was trying to say was, look, I spend all week telling these players on the training ground, in every training session, keep the ball, trust yourself, pass the ball, keep it moving, take risks. That's how he wants them to play. What message would it would it have sent out if the minute they came into a big game, he said to them, actually, forget that. I don't think you're good enough to do that. We're playing Chelsea. Forget everything I've been telling you every week. Don't do that. Just lump it. Get rid of it. Get it up the pitch. Get high up the pitch. I can understand why he didn't feel that was the right thing to do. So for me, I give him a pass on that because I think I can understand why he took that approach. I think the other argument, it tactically, it, it's, it felt like a little bit of a mess. And I think, and again, you know, we'll never probably find out the truth of this. If Isaiah Jones hadn't been injured against Rotherham, I think Borough play a five at the back in that game. I think Carrick wanted to play a five at the back. He couldn't really, because as we said in the preview pod, without Jones, you didn't really have the defensive numbers or the players to fill those positions. So it was a kind of a fudge, wasn't it? Where when Borough were out of possession and Chelsea were attacking, Johnny Houghton was dropping into the back line to effectively make a five. 
um, but without having to play with out-and-out wing-backs. Personally, I don't think that worked. I, I think that Housen was getting in the way when he was dropping in there because I think I, I felt like Vandenberg and, and Fry on either side of him then didn't really know where they were meant to be or who they were meant to be picking up. And by dropping in there, I just think it created a massive pocket of space between Borough's defence and midfield. And, and for the first 10 minutes or so, I, I didn't really think Chelsea knew what they were going to do with that. And then all of a sudden, two or three times, Ben Chilwell, who was playing at left-back, took it upon himself to say, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to run into that massive wall of space there and yeah. see who follows us. And that created absolute havoc. And from that point onwards, Chelsea realised that the minute they got into that pocket of space, they could pretty much do as they wanted. And that, for me, was the story of the first half. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I think um, Jones was missed twofold, really. Well, probably three. A, because of the system. Um, B, is pace. Borat thought desperately liked his pace. And C, just his ability to... to, Because with Jones' absence... You would you would have hoped that he'd have been able with wing backs would have been able to push Chilwell back a little bit because yeah. that because he wasn't doing that as you say Chilwell had the freedom to roam inside. Bal Housen didn't look comfortable playing in that it, playing that role, did he? Where he was dropping in, Balassa was then vulnerable, wasn't he? And, and exposed in the middle of the park. And I thought Hackney looked really really uncomfortable in that in that kind of left more offensive position yeah. that, that he played in. Um, it, it was one of Hackney's more disappointing games, wasn't it? And, and we know that that's not the level that, that uh, Hayden Hackney sets. Um, I think the other thing as well was Borough desperately lacked it. It, it, it was what was clear was the lacking of, it, of, it, of an out-and-out centre-forward. Now, I'll say that. I, I think Rogers was Borough's best player on the night. Yeah. Even before the goal, um he, he, he had the shot in the first half, which was actually a half-decent chance, wasn't it, just after Chelsea's score. But but there was no out-ball, was there? There was no outlet. So although Borough were playing it out from the back, I don't necessarily think that was the problem. Um, it's that they had no nothing to aim towards, really. It wasn't sticking, was it? No. Uh, the times when Hackney, when the, the ball was played out and Hackney wasn't ready for it, or then Hackney went back the second time for the for the fourth goal, was it, when he could have turned and and charged towards a Chelsea box? And and then the other thing, I think, and, and it isn't the first time we've seen from Borough this season, and I guess it's understandable when you when you think of the quality you're up against. After conceding, it probably needed just a period to settle down, but Chelsea just didn't let Borough do that. Did I think it's worth saying here as well? I thought Chelsea were good as poor yeah, yeah. as Chelsea were in the first leg. I, I thought they were good in the second. Yeah, and, and and the other thing I would throw in there, and and the reason for this is probably just the fact that they were coming under so much pressure. All four of the first half goals had an element of bad mistakes in them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, Lucas Engel gets plays everyone inside for the first goal. Doesn't track to Sassy's run for the second goal. The third goal, Hayden Hackney. Yes, he's it's under pressure. You still expect him to be able to take that ball and 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 retain it and, and keep it. And then on the fourth one, Balassa's under pressure. He slips. Cole Palmer waltzes in and scores. So, um, you know, there were issues about the way that Borough was set up and that. But then also. I think all four goals had an element of shooting themselves in the foot in it, which just happens every now and and, and clearly is more likely to happen when you're under the kind of cosh that they were under and and it you know they, they were going under in that first half, weren't they? It, it feels to me, I don't know about you, obviously Borough no game this weekend with Birmingham being in FA Cup action. That that feels to me like a good thing 
because especially with the, especially with the window, but I I just think it almost gives Borough a chance to let the dust settle on that. Right now, that's gone, and almost a case of now we build ourselves up for, for the final running. But you know, yeah. one one final push. We know where we stand now. We're what, however many points we are off the playoffs after the games that take place this weekend. Um, you're going to know you, you, your squad's going to be in place by the time that Sunderland game rolls around. It feels like there's complete clarity with everything, and Borough will be able to lift themselves. Or well, that'd be the hope. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and had they played, they were going to Birmingham, weren't they? Which would have been, you know, a difficult away game on the back of a midweek away game against the Birmingham side that have the tails up under Mowbray. You know, there's a there's a feel good factor there at the minute. So instead, Borough now have a break, as you say, to draw line under it, reassess, and then they've got back to back home games against Sunderland and Bristol City, which you would like to think would be a real springboard into you know, getting near the kind of running in the real business end of it. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, On the back of what happened at Stamford Bridge, I don't think it's a bad thing at all that Borough have a weekend off this weekend and, and, a, and a chance to just settle things down. Like you say, by the time that the back, next back in action, the window's closed, you know, exactly who stayed, who's gone and, and everything like that. And then and then it's a chance then, like you say, to, to hopefully kick on and, and get, you know, keep this promotion push going and, 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 and get right in amongst it. A word just before we move on from Chelsea for, for the fans. Um, yeah. It, it was some sight and some sound from start to finish, wasn't it? Probably even more so at the end, given what had gone on on the pitch. Yeah, it was incredible, really. And and the contrast to the Chelsea fans who just disappeared, even though their side mm. had scored six and got to a semi-final. Mm. It's funny we were talking about that, weren't we? Like, what does it mean to a club like Chelsea getting into the Carabao Cup final? Well, on the evidence of... The final scenes at the final whistle, you'd have to say not very much, really, because, um, you know, it, it was the Borough fans making all the noise at the final whistle. And and um, you almost felt like the players, embarrassed's the wrong word, but probably humbled by the reaction that they were getting after having been given such a kind of hiding. Um, and Johnny Howson, obviously, you know, was the one that kind of went over, wasn't he? And, you know, it's 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 potentially his last really big game. Well, hopefully it's not, hopefully there's playoffs, etc. and that, but you know, potentially a landmark moment for Housen. Um, and, it, 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 um, yeah, I mean, the fans were incredible, like you say, all the way through. But I thought, especially at that final whistle, when, you know, it should have been the Chelsea fans roaring their team off the field and going nuts for it. And it just wasn't. It was all Borough. Um, and, and you know, I think, I think scenes like that do help strengthen the bond between the players and the fans, Carrick and the fans. And, and you know, I, I think it's important to have those kind of moments in the good times as well as the bad. No, it's not for the first time after, after a big game has not gone Borough's way in the last year or so. Housen's been one of the first players that comes to mind because I thought it after the Preston game when Borough missed out on the playoffs yeah. under Chris Wilder. I thought it especially after the Coventry games last season when when Housen missed out, and then again after the Chelsea game, he, he's. Almost been a nearly man for Borough, really, hasn't he? He's come so close to to so much success. Um, he's yeah. talked repeatedly, and I, you know, I do feel bad because every time we interview House and I make a point of kind of it, it comes up that he's coming to the back end of his career. Um, yeah, every yeah. year he keeps on playing, and every year he proves us wrong. But he's openly talked about the fact this was the first time he's made a domestic cup semi final. It had obviously been his first final. 
he's, he's talked openly about the fact when he joined Borough, he joined desperate to win promotion to the Premier League and they've never been able to do that. And, that, and that's always driven him. Um, now, that's still a possibility this season, but it, but it would be a crying shame if... I don't, I don't think I don't think it tarnishes Housen's individual legacy at all, but it, but it'd be a crying shame if if when he does decide to hang his boots up, Borough are still a championship club yeah. and he hasn't won. And of anything. course, the, the biggest irony of all in all of that would be that if that happened, he'd be a Borough legend, you know, absolutely no doubt. But he'd leave, be leaving Borough with probably his biggest achievement in his club career, having come against Borough. At, Wembley in a Norwich shirt, yeah, um, yeah. which is you know it, it seems ridiculous, really, given given that he is quite rightly gonna when he when he eventually does leave go down as an absolute club legend. Um, yeah, I mean he, you'd love to think that they could they could do it for, for for him in the back end of this season, wouldn't you? But probably more than anyone else, really. Um, life doesn't work like that, does it? You know, just because it's a nice story doesn't mean it's going to happen. But we we can but hope. There's our headline. There's our headline sorted for the uh, for the vid in the pod. Um, <laughs> one player who's not at the back end of his career is Luke Thomas, 22 year old, who's yeah. alone from Leicester. Um, it came out the blue in in the sense of um, the name hadn't crept out, but it didn't necessarily come out of the blue that Borough signed a left back. We we got wind, hadn't we, that Bangura's injury. Was 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 maybe giving Borough something to think about there. Uh, they didn't want to leave themselves short. Hayden Coulson's obviously gone out to Blackpool on loan. Not that Coulson featured in the plans anyway. So that so that left Lucas Engel, and, and you're suddenly there an injury or suspension away from being in trouble. Lewis O'Brien obviously played at left back earlier in the season, but but O'Brien isn't a left back, and no. it's only two seasons ago that O'Brien was one of the best midfielders, if not the best midfielder in the Championship. Borough want to see that midfielder in the back end of the season, don't they? They don't want they don't want O'Brien to fill in at left back. Um, it has the look. Clearly, he's, he's just signed. We haven't seen him in a Borough shirt yet. It, it has the look of a, of a fine bit of business. Well, it, I mean, he's made eleven starts for Sheffield United in the Premier League this season. Now, all right, Sheffield United clearly haven't been pulling up any trees, but um, you know. I, I think had Chris Wilder not got in there, had it still been Heckenbottom at Sheffield United, he'd probably still be at Sheffield United. It's only really since Wilder's gone in that they've made the decision he's not for us and he's, he's gone and, back and to that's only And that's, sorry to put in, but that's only mainly because Wilder wants to trade this month and, and yeah. having someone in, he doesn't want to basically have a domestic loan spot used by someone who might not play. When they signed Thomas, they had a shortage of left-back. Left-backs players have since come back from injury. So from Sheffield United's perspective, that... That makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely it does. Yeah, absolutely it does. But, you know, we're not talking about here a player who's gone on loan to a Premier League club and has not kicked a ball in the first half of the season, has been recalled and sent back out again, which is often the situation in the, in these kind of scenarios. That's not what we're talking about here. You know, we're talking about a player who, uh, you know, has, has been a semi-regular in the Premier League in the first half of the season and, and now comes into Borough. And, you know, you would imagine... Is going to give Engel real, real competition for that left back slot. It's going to be interesting to see which way Carrick goes there because, you know, Engel's had his his, his kind of Borough career trajectory had, has had so many peaks and troughs, and he only came in the summer. You know, Already, we yeah. know the difficult start. He's had some really good games since then. He's had some, you know, less defensively secure games since then. I think it's safe to say he's been up and down. So, you know, I think there is an opportunity there for Luke Thomas to really challenge for this. Um, and in terms of bringing someone in in January 
to challenge for that left-back slot, I really don't think they could have got much better than than the player that they've got. You know, young, ambitious, hungry. I mean, he's 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 made nearly 100 senior appearances and about 70 of them have been in the Premier League. So, you know, he's not he's not a kid, an untried kid here in any way, shape or form. Um, and again, you know, as was the case with Finazaz, really, Borough have made a really good job of getting him pretty much under the radar and pretty much as soon as it's become clear that he's going to be heading back out again. Um, Ealing's probably the exception. That one was kind of knocking around and... And we kind of knew about that one before it happened. But the other two have, have largely, as you say, come from nowhere, which is probably credit to the speed with which Borough have moved when it's become clear that these players are on the market. Yeah, it was only last summer that that um, Thomas was part of the, the England number 21 squad that won the European Championships. He was linked with Manchester United. It was only a couple of years ago that he was being linked with a, a senior England call-up. But... We've got some quotes uh, online on, on Saturday morning that, that might well be up by the time you by the time you watch this, and it's Carrick talking about, um, and really it's on the back of, of, of Morgan Rogers' Villa interest, but how how Borough have an awful lot to offer young players. If you look at over the course of the last year, we we've talked in vids over the last week or two about the, this kind of pathway to the Premier League. Borough bring Borough are bringing players in to to help the club win promotion to the Premier League, but if they don't. What they're offering players is, you know, we 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 can help you get there yourselves. And, and yeah. if you look at the course of the last year, Cameron Archer and Aaron Ramsey got big Premier League moves in the summer on the back of, of loan spells. Morgan Rogers, regardless of what happens, his stock is clearly extremely high. He signed for what, one and a half million pounds in the summer. If he goes in the next few days, it's going to be for, for north of 10 million pounds, you would think. Borough in the last six months have managed to sign Sam Greenwood on loan. Um Finazaz, now now Luke Thomas. The, the, Vandenberg, I think we can throw in there. Vandenberg he's, he's is clearly probably the, the standout example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's another example of, of Borough clearly having a lot to offer and a lot to tempt young players with, with big potential. Yeah, and, and 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 it's it's another kind of it's another kind of um confirmation, if you like, of, of why. I think they're on the right track. I think we both do, don't we? In terms of generally what they're what they're trying to do as a club and and the route they're trying to go down. Now, you know, as as we've said, I think I think what's what's also been positive in this transfer window and in general with Borough is there is some flexibility in there. So they are willing to do a Luke Ailing type deal if there's a there's a there's a necessity to do it and there's an experienced player out there who can offer something. Um, and I, th- I think you do need that degree of flexibility within your kind of overall system and, and plan of what you're going to try and do. But I think it's clear what Borough's general thrust is within transfers. Um, and, you know, the development of Rodgers, the, the, the potential that there clearly is in Vandenberg, the fact that you brought in loan players, Archer and, and Ramsey, as you allude to, Greenwood, now, um, now Thomas, that, that have bought into this. And, you know, aren't just here to kind of chalk off time before they head back and hopefully kick on at the parents club. You know, they, they see this as a massively important moment in their career and spell in their career. Um, and, and, you know, there's lots of factors in that, isn't there? There's there's the fact that you're joining a club in Borough who, you know, with a fair wind will be challenging for promotion. It's a big club. You're playing at the Riverside in front of a passionate big crowd. You know, there's an awful lot to get a young player excited. And I think you've got to throw Carrick into that mix, haven't you? You know, I think I think what is becoming increasingly clear as well 
is that the lure of playing for Michael Carrick at Michael Carrick's Middlesbrough is definitely a big appeal to these young players because they see that he's a coach who's going places and is willing to trust young players, put a bit of faith in them and put them in the team. The Morgan Rogers situation, as things stand, and we're recording this on, on Friday evening, um, the, the expectation is, or certainly was earlier this week, that, 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 that there'll be another bid from Aston Villa ahead of Thursday. There is talk um coming from the from the villa from the villa end that there's also interesting John Rowe. Um but but Morgan Rogers was identified as their strongest target. And I think it'd be more of a surprise if they didn't return with another offer than if than if they did. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, they've been in twice now. They'll have a pretty good feel now for what Borough want and and how big the gap is that they have to bridge. Um, I guess it'll come down to how much how much they actually want him and and how much ground they're willing to give in terms of what Borough are wanting and what, and what they would ideally want to pay. It feels like the type of deal where. While 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 we have kind of had indications from sources that actually that you know the gap's pretty significant at the minute in terms of you know it wasn't a case of Villa was so close that Borough were really seriously considering both the bids were were at a level where it was pretty easy for Borough to turn them down, but it feels like the kind of deal where that that gap should not be insurmountable because you know we're not talking I know Villa have FFP pressures and and there's a limit to what they can spend this month but. You know, we're not talking about a 60, 70, 80 million pound deal here. We're probably talking about a difference of two, three, four million in terms of what Villa want to pay and what Borough would be willing to accept. Well, you know, there's potentially ways of narrowing that gap through clauses, through staggered payments, through buyback, uh, you know, sell on clauses, fees, etc. So it feels to me like a deal that I think I think there's more to come on it and and I still think it's probably more likely to happen than not happen at the moment. And, and in terms of more to come, um, arrivals, do, 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 do you expect any more incomings of Borough? The, the stance very much on and off the record is, is unchanged in terms of strikers. If if we can get someone, if something presents itself, then then we'll move. But, but we're not going to bring someone in for the sake of it. I guess it all comes down to who and what's available in the, in the yeah exactly. I, I think the one you know the big big positive for Borough is they've they've got three pieces of, of important transfer business done. They're not heading into the final week and into deadline day desperately scrambling around with calls to fill here, there, and everywhere. In an ideal world, I think you know we both had the indications that they would like to bring a striker in if they feel that there's a deal that would improve the squad. Um, is financially viable, but is still going to create headroom for Corbin to develop and Latalaf to get a chance when he's back fit. Um, again, the indications that we've had are that so far that deal hasn't really been there and that the targets that they've looked at and talked about, either too much money, either not the right time, either a real battle to get them out of the club they're at, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So... I think, you know, if you would put a gun to my head now, I would say that there's probably a decent chance that this is it in terms of incomings for Borough. And I really don't think that that's a bad, you know, bad window at all, depending on... Now, that might change if Rodgers leaves. If Rodgers leaves, then suddenly one of your kind of... Well, your best plan B in terms of a striker is no longer there, is it? You're probably looking at Crooks or Andor Force having to fill in if if Corbyn and Latter-Last's injury issues reappear in the second half of the season. So, 
I think if Rogers goes, that might change it. Although I don't, I still don't think it's absolutely guaranteed that Borough brings someone in if Rogers goes, because you know there are still op- options there, and I think they'd still want to to do something that doesn't back them into a corner in terms of you know work they might want to do in the summer. So possible, definitely, but I would say at the minute on that one, probably more unlikely than likely. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. Um... It, it, it all comes down to availability, doesn't it? And, and who is available and what's available now. Um, we, we've we've seen with this Luke Thomas example and there are countless examples in, in recent seasons of how quickly things can change in the final week of the window. All it takes is is a club, um, club X to bring in player Y and suddenly that frees up another player. Um, but, but, but I agree that it, it, it would not be the... I, I think you look at the squad... Now um, we don't we don't know how long Latte Lat's going to be out for, and we don't know Coburn's situation really. Yeah. All we know is that he's got an issue that he's going to have to be managed. Now, if Coburn can only play one game in three until the end of the season, and if Latte Lat's going to be out until the end of April, then suddenly you'd look at it and think, well, actually, yeah, but Borough do need to bring in That's the same forward. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I think it all I think it all depends on that. But even then, um, we, we we've seen that. Chelsea, prime example, really, this week that, that Carrick will stick to his beliefs. So he's only going to bring in a player who may, who who works in that system, who fits the setup, isn't he? Um, and and doesn't disrupt things on and and off the pitch. So yeah, yeah it's a it's a difficult one. My, I think my instinct at the minute would maybe lean towards more unlikely. Um, I think the other issue with a striker is that. Pretty much all month, half the championship want the striker, and nobody's got one yet. So, if there are, and you know, there will be two or three strikers come on the market in the last week of the window, I'd be amazed if Kiefer Moore doesn't eventually go somewhere. Who, who obviously, but but if and when they do, there are going to be six, seven, eight, nine championship clubs in for those players, and and while Borough. Will you know are perfectly capable of punching in there? What they will not want to do is get involved in a silly bidding war in terms of how much you're willing to pay as a loan fee, say, for a key for Moore or whatever, just because you're desperate. You, they're going to be up against a number of clubs who desperately need to bring in a striker, cannot really function without one. Um, and because Borough aren't in that situation, I suspect they probably won't push as hard or go as high as some of those clubs. Will probably do in a in a more panicked way come the end of the window. Watch this space. Less than a week to go until Thursday's deadline. We'll obviously have all the coverage up until then, and our live blog will obviously run throughout the day on deadline day. We'll have a video before then. Um, we'll have to see whether anything's happened by that stage. But the Luke Thomas arrival on Friday was Borough's third signing of the window after Finn Azaz and Luke Ayling. It's a weekend off for Borough and then a game against Sunderland. That could be interesting given Michael Beale's developments and their play yeah. home to Stoke on Saturday. Watch this space in that one, that one as well on the back of Beale's uh, <laughs> comments this week. If you haven't seen them, we won't go over them, but they're worth a look on the Echo site. Um, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah interesting. Interesting is one way of putting it. Thanks, thanks very much, Scott. And thank you for watching or listening. As I said at the front, um, if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, then please do. And please leave a review and, and rate us as well on your podcast channel if you listen to us on there. Have a brilliant weekend and we'll be back next week for another episode of You Are My Borough.